92.9 The Mater presents In the Red Zone with Rob Witham. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Massey, Wood, and West and by the Sports Page Grill in downtown Ashland. It's a beautiful Monday evening, I might add, here in the center of the universe. Hi, friends. Rob with them. Welcome in. Come on in. In the red zone here, of course, in the studios of the Mater. Sports page Grill Ashland, we miss you so much. Hope to be back very, very soon. A big thank you to our friends there, our friends at Massey Wood and West at 355-1721 and at MasseyWoodandWest.com for sponsoring tonight's edition of In the Red Zone, as well as our friends at We Think in Inc. And yes. Yes, I know essential businesses are still in need of printing, and they're there to help you. We think in ink.com and, of course, right on England Street in the heart of the center of the universe. Well, coming up this hour, Evan Hughes is going to join us. His story coming up in just a couple of moments. Uh, Got to send a tip of the cap and a congratulations off the top here tonight to Megan Walker. Uh, for those of you who go, oh, that name sounds a little bit familiar. Megan spent her high school uh, basketball years at Monacan High School just across the river in Chesterfield, had the privilege to cover most of her career. And of course, uh, she helped Monacan, and it was a very talented Monacan team, uh, win three straight state championships before she headed off to the University of Connecticut. She was more of a role player her freshman and sophomore years. She became uh, one of the one of the focal points of the Huskies here in this past season of 2019-2020. Uh, had lots of accolades and really looking forward to seeing how she could shine in an NCAA tournament. And then, a co- of course, the uh, COVID-19 came calling and the tournament got canceled. Uh, so Megan decided to declare for the WNBA draft, which was held last Friday night. She was taken ninth overall uh, by the New York Liberty, and that's important because uh, they grabbed uh, Sabrina from um, Oregon with the number one pick, and they're in the midst of kind of reformulating and recalculating their franchise, and they got a lot of young talent out of the draft, including Megan, uh, which, A, should give her an opportunity to contribute pretty much immediately when you're kind of going through a rebuilding process. And number two, how exciting. I mean, just to to be on a team in New York, I think they played their home games at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. And, of course, WNBA's 2020 season right now up in the air. Um, They usually start in the latter part of May or the first part of June, I believe. And uh, it's it. We don't know what's going to happen. Certainly, they're not going to start on time. You know, the NBA hit pause on March 11th, and they're still in pause mode, and they're trying to figure out how they can finish the season, if they can finish the season. National Hockey League in the exact same uh, straits, so to speak. So I'm sure with all the excitement for Megan and her family and everybody who knows her, it, it was also kind of tempered on Friday with, okay, you know, I've been drafted. I got the word, uh, you know, at home home and and here we are doing everything virtually now i'm going to be with new york when can i go 
you know, when will all of this calm down so we can find some sort of normalcy? We won't find, uh, for those of you hoping that one day you'll wake up and everything will be back to the way it was pre-March 11th, that's just not the way it's going to work. Uh, this is going to happen in phases as to how many phases and how long it takes. Uh, I, I have no idea. And if you've been carefully paying attention to people high up uh, in the college football ranks, in the National Football League, um, they right now are saying that they're hopeful that they'll have a full season, but they are well aware of the fact that as we sit here tonight on the 20th of April, uh, nothing is guaranteed as to starting the college football season on time late August the high school football season late August and the National Football League season in early September. And, of course, for the National Football League, it's a matter of, well, they really need things to kind of get to a point where, you know, people can gather, even if it's just the team and their officials and they go to their training camp. For example, you know, the Redskins may not be coming to Richmond in July. If they're able to have a training camp, they may have to stay in Ashburn in a controlled environment and only have the team there, the coaching staff, and what personnel they need medically and otherwise. Uh, and I'm sure they'll have to be constantly tested, et cetera, et cetera. They'll be sequestered there. They won't be able to leave. Um, those are the types of things that we're looking at. So it's um it, it's a shame because we've got a lot of players from the richmond area who are hoping to hear their name called in the nfl draft coming up thursday friday and saturday a draft that was supposed to be in las vegas be very splashy kind of be the coming out party with the raiders moving out there and scheduled to start their first season as the las vegas raiders coming up this fall and now it's all going to be done virtually and they they did a mock draft test over the weekend either late yesterday or, or this morning one of the two gotta be honest with you some stories are now becoming kind of blurry in terms of the lines of when they're happening uh if you're like me simply because some days you wake up and go is it wednesday is it saturday is it monday i it's nothing's normal so therefore routine uh for those of you who still have some semblance of a routine i salute you um that that's actually a very good thing to have at this uh at this particular time so but back to the nfl draft um, hopefully they'll have the kinks worked out. They'll be able to have the draft, won't have any issues or problems. Uh, so we're looking at guys like uh, Makai Becton, the big tackle who played, of course, at Highland Springs, probably the best offensive lineman I've ever seen at the high school level, uh, played at the University of Louisville. Uh, so the, we've seen him in the first rounds in everybody's mock draft. Uh, you know, whether he goes as high as fourth or maybe 10th or 12th, this is a very tackle-rich draft. You're going to see four or five offensive tackles probably taken within the first 15 to 20 picks, and he'll be one of them. You know, the question will just be which team that he goes to. But then maybe not day two on Friday with the second and third rounds, but I'd keep an eye on Saturday, rounds four through seven. Um, Makai's high school teammate, Kavon Wallace, who had a great career at Clemson, defensive back. Uh, we should hear his name. Jalen Elliott at Notre Dame, who played at Hanover and then at L.C. Bird, won a state championship as quarterback with Bird. Whether we will hear his name or not remains to be seen. I think it's certainly possible, and I'm hoping so. Uh, as well as Daryl Taylor, the standout uh, defensive tackle who played his high school ball at Hopewell before he went down and made a name for himself at the University of Tennessee. 
So uh, there's four names right there. You need to keep your eyes and ears peeled in terms of what's uh, possibly going to happen for those guys. Hopefully they will get their pro career started this weekend or at least know where their destination is once things begin to clear. And hopefully we'll be able to get some sense of normalcy coming in. Um, I'm concerned a little bit about some things that I've heard from the football world, uh, from the world of the Olympics. Um, There is some question now, even with the Tokyo Games pushed back to the summer of 2021, uh, will they be a regular Olympic Games or will they have to go without, for example, uh, the opening ceremonies? Uh, uh, Can they risk having all those people in one place at one time? And that's going to be a question going forward for the next several months. Not just weeks, but months. And that's why I'm saying keep an eye on fall sports right now. Um, Some may happen. Some may not. Some may be in controlled environments. Uh, Certainly, the way we consume sports is going to change uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, And and what I mean by that is you're going to have to watch a lot more and go a lot less. Um, you know, and even down to the community level, uh, it's a question that I'm sure principals and director of student activities are already talking about right now as to whether, you know, if we're able to get back to school in the fall, you know, will we be allowed to have 2,500 people at a Friday night football game? Or will we have to limit the crowd or will we have to play the games without crowds? Uh, if that's the case, then that puts a higher demand on the ability to either watch the games online, listen to the games online or on the radio. How does that, you know, happen? How does that transform? Uh, does that transform how we, you know, the, these are all the questions that we're looking at right now. And there's no answers. Uh, there's simply because we don't have a precedence. Uh, you know, you go back and go, well, you had the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918. You did. But in 1918, Let me put it in perspective for you, and then we'll take a break and get Evan on the air. Uh, In 1918, KDKA in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, who 100 years ago this coming November uh, was the first radio station in America to broadcast presidential election returns. Okay, so you think about that. When we had that pandemic in 1918, it took a couple of years for it to run course. The major effects were in late 18 and into early 1919. But the NFL wasn't around yet. Uh, Radio was in its infancy. Certainly there was no television and obviously no internet decades away. And so the way that, that we lived was so different. Really the only big gathering of people from a sporting standpoint at that time was baseball. Uh, back in the late 1910s, and, 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 and baseball wasn't as long back then. They played a lot of games in the regular season, sure, but April to early October, they didn't go into November. They didn't start spring training in February. There were not nearly as many teams as there are now. And so it was just a different world. And so how we treat this particular pandemic as it relates to our modern world, and it, I mean, you, you think about it, the NFL Network has been repeating NFL red zones from 2019 one, every day for the last two weeks or so, and they're up to week 15 today. And I've had that on in, in, in uh, my room constantly the last couple of weeks, just kind of a, a, a nice companion to have to listen to some normalcy in the, in the age of, of abnormal. And you, you think about it, you know, 13 places 
between in about a seven hour period across the country would host anywhere from 40 to 80,000 people on a Sunday afternoon. Well, that's not going to happen for the next several months. And it may, we may see the NFL play in a very controlled environment this year. We don't know. Um, so all we can do is take it a day at a time, my friends. And that's from the highest levels of sports, from the NFL, the NBA, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down to community sports. Little leagues are pining to play. I understand. Uh, but when is it going to be safe? Will we have a little league championship this year? I don't know. We're holding out hope. But but I, I, I have I have no clue. And with major events into June and July already saying no, such as Wimbledon, the British Open, uh, <clears throat> et cetera, you know, the PGA is saying they're hoping to play 24 consecutive weeks you know, beginning in June. They're going to move the PGA championship into early August, which was almost where it used to be. They recently moved it into May. Um, but, but they said at least the first four tournaments would happen with no fans. Now, that could extend to more than four tournaments, and they may not start when they want to start. All of that remains to be seen. But, of course, we'll keep an eye on it for you here in the Red Zone. Well, let's have a good, fun conversation. Coming up after this timeout, looking forward to talking to Evan Hughes. Evan has a lot of hats uh, for a man who's only a junior in college. Uh, Virginia Tech is where he resides now burgeoning broadcasting career which we knew was coming rockville native patrick henry graduate we're going to get a chance to talk about his career some of his influences uh the program at virginia tech and some other things as well and i'll see if you watched that last dance documentary parts one and two last night as well evan's coming up on the other side of the break live here on the mater on this monday night back in a minute you are in the red zone we'll be back with more from the red zone after these messages when you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. There's never been a more important time to make sure the air in your home is clean as well as comfortable. Massey Wood & West, serving Virginia since 1923, is ready to help. Massey Wood & West offers quality cleaning services for your HVAC units and can make sure it's ready for the heat of the summer to come. Massey Wood & West proudly offers Rheem heating and cooling systems. And if it's time to replace that HVAC unit, now is the perfect time to do so. The friendly staff at Massey Wood & West always looks out for your well-being and is working under all CDC guidelines. Need a new duct system? Massey Wood & West can handle that too. Plus, Massey Wood & West is proud to offer Ream water heaters. So call 355-1721. Ask for Doug or Al. They'll be glad to help you get ready. 355-1721. Massey Wood & West. Online at MasseyWoodAndWest.com. That's Massey Wood & West. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. 
on a Monday evening, beautiful Monday evening after a wet Monday morning. My friend Drop with them live in the Mater Studios. Monday night means in the red zone here on the Mater. Well, with, since we had to hit pause on the 2020 seasons, uh, kind of um, with, with stark reality, um, it has given us a lot of opportunities to do some things that maybe we wouldn't have been able to do from spending more time with our families at home to doing some things around the house that we normally wouldn't have time for. Uh, and here on the program gives me a chance to kind of catch up and catch up with some people that we haven't talked to in a while or normally this time of year may not have a chance to simply because their schedules don't mesh with ours. And this is certainly one of those. Uh, the first time I met this gentleman, uh, he was... Uh, calling, and by calling I mean was doing the uh, public address announcing at a little league, I believe it was the Babe Ruth softball and baseball tournaments in Rockville, uh, getting ready to start his high school career at, at Patrick Henry High School. And uh, fast forward all these years later, he is now uh, a junior at Virginia Tech, part of their very uh, exciting, burgeoning new uh, broadcasting and journalism department and school uh, led by the legendary Bill Roth. Uh, has become kind of a tech fixture on the ACC network, has spent time calling minor league baseball. It's all pretty good. And, and Evan, I'm not sure. Are you 21 yet? <laughs> uh, 21 on May 26th, so al- almost there. Okay, almost there. So you've done all of this in your career already, and you haven't been able to take a drink. I don't get it. You know, just uh, trying to make the most of every opportunity that's given to me. And I, I think that's one thing, Rob, going back and reflecting. I can remember the first time I met you at RFNT Press Box, you know, looking at how you attacked opportunities at yourself and trying to, um, you know, take that from you as a mentor and apply that in high school. You know, just feel lucky the opportunities I've been given. And uh, thanks for having me on, by the way, too. I have really enjoyed listening to the show uh, back from Blacksburg. And I love to say, up to date with what's going on in, in, in the RVA and in the center of the universe and, and just love the show you're doing here. Appreciate that, Evan, very much. Before we talk your career, uh, uh, just give me give me some thoughts in terms of what does Evan Hughes do in a quarantine? I mean, uh, are, are you sitting in your, your, your you know living room like calling classic games to, to yourself? I mean, h- how do you kind of keep fresh in all of this? Well, you know, one thing that I, I have found that I have struggled with is uh, I like to say yes to a lot of things when it comes to broadcasting and it's hard sometimes for me uh, to say no and slow down and uh, this has been a a really great opportunity for me to review work uh, that I've done from the past uh, academic year on um, on the air and you know no nobody listens to yourself more than you so being able to take notes um, and just kind of tweak some things and write some things down and realize what's good and what can be tweaked better for certain sports. And, um, and then also, you know, we've had a couple of great assignments in our Virginia Tech program. Uh, I'm actually in a play-by-play class right now led by Bill Roth, and uh, he gave us an assignment, a, I think you would like this, Rob, a 2,000-word essay breaking down a Vin Scully baseball game. Holy cow. Oh, I'm not sure 2,000 words is, it would be enough. I, you know, that's what I said. I honestly wrote about a thousand in the first two innings. Totally. I mean, from I mean, from pacing to storytelling. I mean, gosh, there's a reason why he's the he's the goat. Yeah, no doubt. And and on top of that, how in the world do you go through Vin Scully's body of work and pick one? It, it, it actually, ironically, he happened to pick a random game late in his career, the middle of July, just a regular season game. Um, it, it, I mean, there were so many to pick from, and, and he just gave us a 
uh, a Dodgers Cubs game. And just, um, you know, the thing that I really took away from it is A, I need to do a much better job of listening to other professionals. Um, and you can learn so much by doing that as I took notes from him. And two, I mean, you know, for someone who enjoys doing baseball play by play, and you know, Rob is on the radio. I mean, storytelling is just so crucial and making connections and being able to put that on the air and tell the story of a player or a coach. And nobody does that better than Vince Scully. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that assignment. Probably my favorite assignment I've done since I've been at Virginia Tech. Oh, heavens, have to be. And, and you take me back to my early days growing up. My heroes were Chuck Thompson and Bill O'Donnell, who were the voices of the Baltimore Orioles back in the, uh, for my time, the early and mid and late 1970s. Of course, Chuck Thompson, legendary Baltimore announcer uh, from the 40s on. He was the voice of the Colts. And the voice of the Orioles, Chuck would do innings one through three and seven through nine. Bill would handle the middle innings four, five, and six. And I spent many a spring and summer evening listening to those guys call my favorite team. And to just to hear the smooth delivery, the understanding, the the as you just mentioned, you know when to weave in a story, how to do it, how to continue it when action broke out. That's an art, man, and that's not easy to do. But it's so exciting when it comes together. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you just you learn something new every time you watch another professional, I feel like. And there's just, you know, there's so much as I continue to learn about the nuances of radio play-by-play that go into it that you just don't think about as a, as a, uh, as a listener, you know? Um, you know, why, do, why are certain stories shared at certain points, as you mentioned, and uh, making sure you're differentiating your verbs and your phrases. Um, you know, don't tell a story with two outs. Are you recapping the game enough? Time and score. I mean, you, you know, I try and do that every 60 seconds, and it's hard. It's easy to forget. But um, I think that listening, like you're saying, you know, listening to, uh, you know, listening to the professionals. And I, you know, I, before I call games in the summer, I like to go onto the TuneIn app and listen to uh, other baseball uh, broadcasters and, and, and try and learn something in the day before I go, go, go call games at night. All right. So, Evan, tell me, when, when did you catch the bug? Uh, when, when did you know that, that talking into a microphone was something that you really had a passion for? Well, you know, I, I, you know, in middle school, Rob, I had my own sports talk radio show, which I remember having you on, and it was right after the classifications and the VHSL came out for the first time. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, this is a lot of information, and nobody does it better than you when it comes to the point system in high school football. Uh, but I, 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 you know, as you mentioned, being from Rockville, you know, I did public address announcing in middle school and um, at Rockville School Park, and I knew that I really enjoyed sports and I wasn't gifted enough to play it, uh, but I wanted it to be a big part of my life. Um, and then really in high school, when I called my first game um, on Patriot Talk Live, it was a Godwin-Patrick Henry game, week three on Blog Talk Radio. We only had two hours. The game cut out after the third quarter because we didn't want to pay for the full version. And <laughs> Uh, but I can just remember really enjoying it and say, this is what I want to do. And, um, you know, there was just so, there were so many people that really helped elevate it. My parents and, you know, push me and find new avenues. And I think really by freshman year of high school, I knew that this is really what I wanted to pursue uh, for the rest of my life. Well, uh, Evan, and this is fascinating to me because you and I both are Patrick Henry graduates. So I, I, watching you go through your four years at PH, I saw a lot of similarities to my three years there. The, the, the difference was it was a generation earlier and the technology was different. Who was the kind of the driving force at the school to help you actually create what ended up being Patriot Talk Live? 
Well, I mean, I mean, so, so many people. And, and looking back on it, I, I, I could not be any more thankful for, I mean, people like uh, Dr. Wanda Bibb, who was the principal um, at the time, and, and Matt Crowder, the athletic director. I mean, looking back on it, you've got a, a kid who's in high school. He's a freshman. He wants to get into the press box and call games. And, and they just let me go. And they just let me, um, the two of them, to start. And then, you know, after my first year, I mean, I, I, the spring of freshman year, Rob, we watched Patrick Henry fall. I believe it was the Great Bridge in the state semifinals of uh, the uh, state softball tournament. Right. And I was around that time that Brian Davis was hired as the head football coach at Patrick Henry. And he really helped um, me come up with ideas of how we could have a win-win for myself and PTL and a win for the community by doing the Coach Davis show and going on the home and the road for the football games. And I think once we started doing that, it just opened many doors. Coaches willing to do other sports at Patrick Henry. I mean, looking back on it, there wasn't one teacher, athletic director, and Coach Crowder or principal um, that said no to Patriots Talk Live. They embraced it. The community embraced it. And, I mean, even three years later, I still enjoy going back and listening to the 2016 state championship <laughs> for boys volleyball. I mean, those are just – you know, you, you, you cover college athletics, and it's really unique to see some of the best of the best, but there's nothing quite like high school athletics, in my opinion. I have to agree with you on that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, simply because of the sheer joy and passion. And I know, I know, you know, Patrick Mahomes is passionate about playing quarterback. I get that, okay? But he's also getting a lot of money to do it. Uh, but, but when you go to a high school game, uh, softball, for example, here in Hanover County, and we had Jackie Davis on just the other week, and, and, and it just uh, talking about the, the, the passion that the kids share, the rivalries that are there, you're right. I, it's it's if, if you've never been... In, uh, to high school football, if you if you didn't like your high school experience and then you left it behind and you've never gone back to to witness or see, it's it's a pretty special thing. It really is. And the other thing is, Evan, it has that organic community that allows something like your career to blossom when there were people who said yes to you. And that's a great thing because it's supposed to be a place for learning, and learning doesn't necessarily have to come out of a textbook. Absolutely. That's actually one thing that Bill Roth tells us all the time is that you can you can only learn so much in a textbook. A base, as he says, a uh, baseball field is the best classroom for a young broadcaster. And and I think for me, looking back at Patriot Talk Live, um, you know, sometimes it is tough for me to go back and listen, Rob, because I want to turn it off and I can't believe I sounded like I was twelve. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, it, it allowed me to make mistakes, which I think is just so important for. Uh, whether it's a broadcaster in life, to experiment and maybe some things worked or some things didn't, but it was okay to make a mistake. And I just knew, I think looking back on it too, knowing that I had the community behind me, I had the confidence to try new things and um, to go from a different platform and blog talk to Spreaker or start calling more sports. Or even by senior year, we called a golf match on our phone. And, you know, um, I just, I think that that's what, uh, looking back on it, which will always be so special to me, is the community, but also the ability, what I still have today, um, willingness to make mistakes on the air, learn from them, and see if it works. Evan Hughes with us here tonight here in the Red Zone on the Mater. So, Evan, I know there's a family connection with, with Virginia Tech, um, but it just so happened that the program that you were in right now was getting ready to get underway right about the time you were graduating high school. Sometimes timing is everything. Tell me not only about being part of Virginia Tech's program, but tell me about how exciting it is to be on the ground floor of such an event. Uh, it is. Um, it, 
it's really special, Rob. It's really exciting. It, it's like covering um, a high school football program, per se, that's just on the rise, right? And there's something that happens each and every week that's exciting. And for us, whether that's maybe getting another talented person into our, into our program or getting a brand new uh, studio set or getting a new adjunct professor that's in the, uh, in the broadcasting world, it's really fun to be part of what's going to be the first graduating class of our sports media and analytics major that got approved in three years that typically takes anywhere from seven to eight years at Virginia Tech to get a major approved. It went from a concentration to a standalone major. It's just, uh, it's really, really fun to see how far that we have come. And whether that's from when I got there and it was in its first year as a minor to now having a, a student station and getting access to call men's basketball games and other Olympic sports at Virginia Tech. It's just fun to be a part of something that is, um, you know, is going somewhere, and you have just a small hand in building the, the foundation um, that's going to be there for years to come. And I'm just, I, I feel really lucky. You said it, timing is everything. I was a Hokie growing up. My dad played soccer at Tech, and I didn't think I was going to go there. But until Bill came back August of my senior year, as you said, just, you know, I just really got lucky with timing and. Um, looking back on it three years from now, I just am so happy where I am today. I, I wouldn't have changed a thing about it. Everybody who is uh, a fan of Virginia Tech knows the name and the voice, more importantly, of Bill Roth. I, obviously, you did too. How long did it take to get over the stage fright of being under him? Well, actually, um, when I had my – so this is something that kind of gives me goosebumps, actually, every time I think about it and just how um, how just things come together sometimes, the universe, and I, I think God – bring things together. Um, I was in eighth grade on my small blog talk radio, uh, Sports World with Evan Hughes show that nobody listened to, but I just enjoyed doing it to try and get better, and I just loved doing it. My dad was on it with me. We had a great time, and I can remember I, I, I got the confidence to reach out to Bill Roth, and this was the Thursday before the uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff game that Sam Rogers made his debut in uh, at fullback for Virginia Tech against Alabama. And I sent the email, and uh, I wasn't expecting to hear anything back. And within three hours, two days before that game, Bill's in Atlanta. He reaches out. He, he says he'll come on the day after the game that morning. And we had a, a fun 30-minute conversation. And, um, and then I didn't talk to him for four years. And that was in between him leaving Virginia Tech and going to UCLA. And then when he came back and just meeting him, it wasn't as much, uh, um, uh, even though he was my idol growing up, uh, just being um, in awe of him, it just felt like it clicked right away and that we just were two personalities that were going to fit in great. And, I mean, honestly, Rob, there's sometimes that I will, I'm, I'm in a class with him or we're texting about something, and I'm like, I, I can't believe that I have this unbelievable opportunity that I get to talk to Bill almost on a daily basis, and he's become a, a mentor and a friend, and, you know, he's gotten to know my family, and he's one of the most special people in my life. I can honestly say that he is a great person. I, I wish everybody who knows Virginia Tech would get the chance to meet him because of just how remarkable of an individual he is. He has certainly been an incredible ambassador for Blacksburg. There is no doubt about that. Evan, can you hang with us for a little bit? Absolutely. Yes, sir. Awesome. Got to take a quick break. When we come back, want to talk about the last couple of summers you've spent up in Minnesota and how uh, those experiences have helped you out. And also the relationship now with the bird. Talk about timing. Uh, the relationship with the burgeoning ACC networks and you obviously are part of that with Virginia Tech being a conference school. So more with Evan Hughes coming up in just a moment. We'll take a break here live on the Mater. You are in the red zone.
There's more to come right after this short break. There's never been a more important time to make sure the air in your home is clean as well as comfortable. Massey Wood and West, serving Virginia since 1923, is ready to help. Massey Wood and West offers quality cleaning services for your HVAC units and can make sure it's ready for the heat of the summer to come. Massey Wood and West proudly offers Rheem heating and cooling systems. And if it's time to replace that HVAC unit, now is the perfect time to do so. The friendly staff at Massey Wood and West always looks out for your well-being and is working under all CDC guidelines. Need a new duct system? Massey Wood and West can handle that too. Plus, Massey Wood and West is proud to offer Ream water heaters. So call 355-1721. Ask for Doug or Al. They'll be glad to help you get ready. 355-1721. Massey Wood and West. Online at MasseyWoodandWest.com. That's MasseyWoodandWest.com. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-600-9969. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-600-9969. 800-600-9969. That's 800-600-9969. Zone on this Monday evening. Hi, friends. Drop with them with you at uh, 636 on this Monday. Evan Hughes with us here live tonight on the show. Evan, you have had two very interesting summers. Uh, my first summer away from home, uh, after my freshman year, I was supposed to come home for the summer like everybody else did, but I, I got my first radio gig up in uh, the western part of Massachusetts. Uh, where I was going to college, and they offered me to to have some hours on the air if I wanted to stay up there over the summer. And so I decided not to come home, and I, I took the hours up there, and it was the best decision, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life because it gave me the opportunity to get so much experience in just about every aspect of this particular industry, which has been a part of what I've done now for the last 34 years. So I, I was with great interest listening to you in the last two summers when you were spending your time up in the great state of Minnesota. Tell the listeners what you've done the last two years. Uh, the, the last two summers have honestly been the, the best two summers of my life. Uh, I uh, was in my uh, just about winter break of my freshman year, and we had had some older people in the comm department at Virginia Tech who were seniors who had spent some time in the Northwood League, which is one of America's top summer collegiate baseball leagues essentially college coaches around the summer send their top players to a 72 game wood bat i'm sorry yeah 72 game wood bat league 72 games in 77 days and uh there are teams in minnesota north dakota uh wisconsin michigan a team in thunder bay canada 
And I, I remember I was on Sportscasters Talents Agency of America. It's a website that has a bunch of job listings, and they have summer collegiate baseball uh, on there. And I was going through, and I just happened to stumble across this team, the St. Cloud Rocks, and I clicked on it. And my dad has always told me that if you're going to travel, do it young. So I was looking to, to get outside of Richmond and experience something. Um, and so I was happening to text with my uh, one of my uh, mentors, Andrew Allegretta, and I told him about this team. And he goes, wait a minute, St. Cloud? He goes, that's the first play-by-play job that John Laser, the new voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies, that was his first radio job. He grew up in Minneapolis. And it was just a, I mean, just uh, there are so many teams on there, and I just happened to pick out St. Cloud and, and liked what I saw from uh, the application. And so I, I'm also very close with John, and I called Lays, and he's very close with the co-owner of the Rocks, who was his general manager when he was the voice of the uh, what was then the St. Cloud River Bats in 2003. And he introduced me to some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life in Minnesota, and that's why I went back for year two, and that's why I'm uh, slated to go back for year three. Um, you know, there's just so much to learn uh, about the game of baseball, and when you're playing every day, how do you prep when you only have so much time and you've got to get sleep in there? How do you interact with a manager? Our field manager happened to be a gentleman by the name of Al Newman, who yep. was a 1987 and 1991 World Series champion, uh, middle infielder, utility specialist with the Twins. And so not only was I fortunate enough to work with a manager who was pretty skilled, I mean, it was Newman, who was a two-time World Series champion. So being able to be a sponge and absorb everything from him and get to know the players on road trips. And there's just so much to learn in that first summer. And then to go back and build on it for year two and, and hopefully, knock on wood, get something back for year three to build on from year two. I mean, it's just a remarkable experience. And once again, the thing that makes it all the best are the people and the relationships that um, I've been fortunate enough to meet in St. Cloud. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. It is about the people and the relationships, no doubt. Speaking of which, uh, a- another thing that comes along during your time at Virginia Tech, and people have been clamoring for it for years, and it finally became a reality last August, and that was the ACC Network. How did that kind of transform what was going on down there in your program at Blacksburg uh, from an opportunity standpoint, obviously, as a school, you were producing things, but now suddenly you've got this particular piece of the puzzle coming in. It, it has been uh, just such a big asset to our program, our sports media and analytics major at Virginia Tech. And again, like we talked about, if there's a common theme from the last 20 minutes, I feel like it's uh, timing and how it just happened to work out that our program launched, right? And every school in the ACC had to build two $10 million studios. And uh, what's, what's unique about it is the coverage that is now available for Olympic sports. So for those in Hanover County that want to watch Rain Wilson and Peyton St. George at Duke, every single one of their games are streamed on the ESPN app, which is the ACC Network Extra. And that's what I've been fortunate enough uh, to do in my time at Virginia Tech and where I'm getting a lot of play-by-play reps, those Olympic sports. And even though it's only on the app, it is all being produced with a team of about 20 people behind the scenes working in the south end zone of Lane Stadium and their brand-new facilities. And it is run just like a brand-new TV operations. I mean, multiple cameras, replays, operators, I mean, everything you can think of, and it's on the app. So it, it shows the commitment ESPN is making. And then the beauty of those studios are if the ACC Network channel wants to pick up a 
um, a, let's say, a Virginia Tech uh, Bryant baseball game. They fly in the play-by-play, the color, the producer, the director, and then all the same people behind the scenes at Virginia Tech who work games digitally work those games on the channel. So it's provided a great opportunity not only for talent to get on the air for the digital side and work actual television games and work with analysts, but also we have a lot of students in our program who work behind the scenes and our camera operators. I can think of, uh, if you remember the name, George Stiles, a Patrick Henry grad, a year older than me, played volleyball route. He works behind the scenes at the ACC Network. So everybody's getting a chance to get real-world experience uh, during their time at Virginia Tech. And what makes our ACC Network at Tech unique is that we're in a spot where it's tough for them to freelance to go to, say, if you're in Duke, the Charlotte market's so big, or uh, the D.C. area. In Blacksburg, they have to rely on students. So that makes up a great portion of the telecast, and it's just something really remarkable to be a part of and see um, how much growth has happened in one year. What was the biggest thing you had to be mindful of when you started appearing on camera rather than just with the headset on? Well, uh, I, 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 something, you know, trying to dress better and making sure things are ironed, uh, very important, you know, making sure you're, you know, that's, I think one of the most fun things that we do, we have a two-minute open, and that's what, yeah, you, you put a lot of time into the, uh, what are the storylines, what are the graphics that are being built, you're on camera, and you also have a producer in your ear, so making sure you're, you're, you're juggling a lot of things, that was something that, that took some time of, listening to a producer smiling on camera making sure i'm welcoming welcoming my analyst where are we going next are we on time um you know those are all things that you uh you learn very quickly and but on on camera it's a it's a different you know you you really have to sell it when you're on camera you just can't you can't um do it all with your voice you know i think a lot of people uh read broadcasters when they come on camera i mean you know jim Mance, hello friends i mean such a welcoming presence to begin a broadcast, and that's something I try very hard uh, when I start a broadcast is to come off right off the bat and have energy and a smile on my face because if the parent of a, of a softball player from Bryant who's playing Virginia Tech because we're neutral in the air, if I can show I'm excited for that game and I care about that game, then I think that goes a long way with building trust with the viewers. Yes, it does, most definitely. Okay, so in terms of who you enjoy listening to, whether it be radio, TV, and no matter the sport, uh, who, who kind of are your go-to play-by-play people? Well, I am a, uh, you know, Bill Rothschild doing games. I love to listen to Bill uh, as he does games for, for ESPN and college football and Westwood One. Um, outside of Bill, I mean, I really have enjoyed, uh, you know, you listen to these guys when you're in high school and myself, but now listening to them and trying to see how they do certain things, I absolutely love listening to Jim Nance. I love his versatility. I love his comfort on camera, and I love the way his, he's just got this smooth delivery. I was watching the rerun of the Masters last year with my dad, and here it is. I mean, just a beautiful, soothing voice. I love listening to him. I love the excitement that Sean McDonough brings when he's on the air. I think he does a great job of controlling it, which is something I'm still trying to work on myself. And then lastly, I really like Ian Eagle. I think mm. if, if, if Joe Stefator is going to move on from the booth in Monday Night Football, I think Ian Eagle is a star, and I think he's got another. He's just very good at storytelling. He's got great verbs. And uh, those are probably my top three of broadcasters I just really enjoy listening to. Very interesting. Well, now, <clears throat> when I listen to Nance cover golf, you can tell who influenced him. And, of course, that was who he succeeded at CBS, and that was the great Pat Summerall. 
um, uh, the, uh, who also was such a great announcer in multiple sports, even though he was a football player. He, he ended up having such a great broadcasting career, not just in football. Uh, he, he did NBA Finals for CBS in the 70s. Uh, obviously, golf was uh, uh, one of his pinnacle sports as well. And, and he learned from the great Ray Scott, who I'm sure you've heard that name in, in your time, <clears throat> who, of course, was the voice of the Packers. He called uh, uh, football on CBS in the 50s and 60s. He called Super Bowl one for CBS, and he was known as the great minimalist. And by that is, is that he really believed that when you're on television, the picture tells the story. There's really no reason for me to sit there and tell you what you're obviously seeing. So he's not going to insult you and do a radio play-by-play on TV. And Pat picked up on that, and you can see in a way really now as Nance gets older, he's picked it up from Pat too because he doesn't have as much verbiage uh, as he used to. And I also think from a a standpoint of Jim Nance, Tony Romo has rejuvenated his career. Would you you agree with that statement? I I really do. I think he makes him feel young again kind of in a way. I think – but one thing that I I think you give Jim Nance a lot of credit for and one thing you learn as a broadcaster is – you know, the analyst is the star of the show, and I think he does a great job at setting Romo up for success, especially in year one, fresh out of the booth. I mean, I think he does a really nice job with him, and Romo brings a lot of energy, and I think that Nance brings it as well. And I love your point there quickly about um, about the just letting it breathe on TV and economy of words. And one thing that's really important that I'm learning in big moments, don't talk. Let it breathe. People want to hear the crowd. And, again, going back to the Masters last year when Tiger had the final putt, I don't think Jim Nance spoke for four minutes. Hmm. And everybody was totally okay with that. And so I think you're right. I think he does a great job of economy of words and just letting the broadcast breathe and letting the viewers watch and chime in when it's necessary. Now let me take you into the current situation and get your thoughts to see if you've really kind of pondered this yet. Let's say in the fall, excuse me, or let's say in the summer we get a limited season in Minnesota. You get up there, you're able to do 45, 50 games. But there's no crowd allowed. They have to play it in a controlled environment. Or we get back to Virginia Tech in the fall and sports are allowed, but again, controlled environment. You're on TV. There's no crowd to play off of. How do you handle that? Do you have any idea? Have you thought about it? That is a terrific question, uh, Rob. And I I, I personally, I I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. What What I do know is, is, and you know as well, the crowd provides such an extra element to a broadcast. I mean, when the crowd is into it, I think that helps your call. And, and not going over the top, but when a crowd is into it, all right, that means the broadcast is kind of up and flowing instead of it being a blowout and nobody cheering. I think it's going to be really, really interesting, especially with baseball. You know, there's sometimes there's light attendance in the Northwoods League, and I'll get on the team bus and the guys say they can hear me from the press box, <laughs> which is always an interesting dynamic. But I, I think that it will certainly be an adjustment curve for, um, for broadcasters. And then, you know, you've seen some reports, well, Will some teams and some leagues pump crowd noise into the stadium? I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but it is it is going to change the way that broadcasters call games without having a crowd. I totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, let's let's get off of the the broadcasting bandwagon for a moment. You're a New York Jets fan, correct? I, I, a diehard New York Jets fan, unfortunately. <laughs> 
hey, hey, it's okay. I respect people who who are not bandwagon fans, and I and obviously I know since you know you're almost 21 and you're a Jets fan, you obviously are not a bandwagon fan. Um, what what do you think the Jets need to do in the draft this week? What what's your thoughts on the direction they're going? Is Darnold gonna be the real deal? Does he need more pieces around him? What's up there? Well, for the draft, this well, first of all, it's a really unique time to be a Jets fan because the general manager of the Jets is Joe Douglas, as you well know, a yep. Lee Davis graduate. I, I think it's so cool that the team that I love the most of any of any league, the New York Jets, my general manager is a Lee Davis graduate, <laughs> and he, he knows the offensive line very well. So I think that the O-line would be very important. Makai Becton, I think, would be an excellent selection at that spot. I think he comes in, he really helps the offensive line, and then also the receivers, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, I think that Darnold is the guy. I worry about Adam Gase as the head coach and his experience. Um, struggled in Miami. Wasn't a huge fan of the hire when they made it. But I think Darnold's the guy. And if they can protect him, then I think they'll be in good shape. And that's why I hope they go Makai Becton. Yeah, I think Becton would be good. But you know what? If, if it gets to your pick and he's not there, I mentioned earlier, top of the show, talking a bit about the draft. This is one of the most tackle-heavy drafts I can remember in a long time. We'll probably see five go in the first maybe 15 picks or so. So there's going to be somebody there, no doubt about that. Absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, the, the uh, Willis kid from Alabama, Works from Iowa, mm-hmm. Becton. Uh, and, you know, it's really been unique to watch Makai, I feel like, Rob. He's kind of climbed up the charts over the last month or so. I feel like a month and a half or so they had him as a second or a third. And as you said at the top of the hour, he could go as high as number four. Yep. So I think that that is incredible, and I think it's great for RVA football, and it continues to churn out great talent. And uh, who knows, maybe, maybe, Rob, on that final day, Patrick Henry's own Eli Handback can uh, hear his name called late in the seventh round, maybe a little bit earlier, but would love to see Eli get a chance. That'd be pretty cool. Even if it was, you know, Mr. Irrelevant at the end, that's okay. I'll take that. Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, total side note, but what a great career for Eli. And as somebody who covers Virginia Tech, it was so bittersweet, but I was really happy for him. How about Eli, the man who recovers the fumble and the end zone and snaps that 16-year winning streak for Virginia Tech? Patrick Henry's own Eli Handback, who the great story of Chesden getting him to UVA, a two-star, and starting every game the last two years. I think that's one of the best stories in the RVA the last couple of years. Oh, I, yeah, and un- underreported, too. Wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Okay, before we let you go, Mr. Hughes, <clears throat> we've, we've talked about the Jets, we've talked about the draft, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do you ever sit and go, okay, where do I want to be in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? What are your goals? What are you, what are you thinking? You know, Rob, I would uh, – you know, coming out of college, one thing you learn quickly in this profession is, you know, you, you, you take what you can get and, you, and you're happy with what you can get. And, um, but my dream and what I hope to, to, to work towards is, is one day being the voice of a university. I, I think that John Laser has one of the greatest jobs in the world, uh, personally, because, and that goes for any voice of any school, I think there's something really special about calling a game for a team. And I don't think that one thing that I've learned is that you're, you, don't, you don't have the passion in your voice because you're a fan of that team and you're employed by that school. You're a, you're a broadcaster who wants that team to win because of the relationships that you build. I mean, for John Laser, he really loves Coach Justin Fuente. And I'm sure that he wants to see him succeed and his staff, right? And that, that comes 
out his broadcast. So it's the relationships that you get to build when you're the voice of a university with the athletic directors, the, the athletic department, the fans, the donors. You know, those are all really unique things that you don't get when you're on a network. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, just being that voice of the university, for me, it's it's the connections that makes it all special. And, um, you know, I kind of got to experience that in high school at Patrick Henry and would love to experience it on a bigger level maybe one day in my career. Yeah, yeah you definitely got a taste of it, being able to be the voice of a the school. There, there's no doubt about that. So, well, Mr. Hughes, always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Hope things are well. Give my best to Sister Jamie, if you would. Absolutely. I know they are listening back in Rock the Left uh, right now. And, Rob, thank you for having me on. And I think on behalf of everybody in the Richmond area, I just want to take a moment to thank you for all that you do for Richmond, Virginia athletics. Um, I think it's incredible, and I admire you and your work, and I'm lucky to call you a friend and a mentor. And uh, keep it up, and I look forward to continuing to, to listen to In the Red Zone on Monday night. I, I appreciate that, Evan, very much. Now, when you're calling the 2048 World Series for Fox after they finally kicked Joe Buck out of the booth, just don't don't forget the people back here in Ashland and Rockville and, you know. I, I will get you a Super Bowl ticket with your Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> winning it all, Rob. Book it. <laughs> Got, after we beat the New York Jets in the AFC Championship. <laughs> And it'll just be like 2011, losing to the Steelers. It's all right. Just end their season. That's what the Jets stand for. Uh, but, hey, Brady's gone, man. Brady's gone. One, one of the top five greatest days of my Jets fandom was when he left. So uh, things are trending upwards for the AFC East. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Evan, thanks so much, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Rob. Give the best to my family for me. Will do. Evan Hughes, everybody. Always a pleasure to catch up with my friend Evan. And what a career he's going to have, my friends. I can just tell you now. Bank it in your books. He will be the most famous graduate of Patrick Henry High School, period. That's that's my prediction, and I'm sticking to it. We'll come back, wrap up this edition of In the Red Zone, coming up right after this. In the Red Zone, we'll take a short time out. We'll be right back, so stay tuned to The Mater. When you need printing, you usually need it yesterday. We Think in Ink can't work that quickly, but close. Let Chuck Stoudemire and the folks at We Think in Ink take your printing project and help make your message stand out. We Think in Ink offers quick turnaround and printing you'll be proud to use. Visit We Think in Ink in Ashland right next to the post office at 305 England Street. Let them suggest ideas for your business cards, letterhead, brochures, or business forms. We Think in Ink in Ashland. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 877-801-0746. 877-801-0746. That's 877-801-0746. Capital One knows life doesn't alert you about your credit card. Next stop, Graham Street. And Brian in the khaki shorts. Your free child of Movie Plus ends tomorrow, so you may be charged. Want to continue or cancel? Stand clear.
clear the closing doors. So, meet Eno, Capital One's assistant. Eno looks out for charges that might surprise you and helps you fix them. Eno. Another way Capital One is watching out for your money when you're not. Capital One. What's in your wallet? Limitations apply. We're all in uncharted territory looking for ways to support our communities. At Dell Technologies, we're making sure small businesses have the right tech solutions. Dell Technologies advisors are here for you from helping small businesses stay connected and productive while working remotely with Windows 10 and Microsoft Teams to rapidly deploying remote work solutions that limit upfront costs with Dell Financial Services. We're standing by you every step of the way. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. wrap up this edition of in the red zone my question calvin is are you a left-handed hand washer or a right-handed hand washer where do you start first did you ever think about that ladies and gentlemen uh, yeah, next time you wash your hands see where where do you put the soap what's the first hand under the water we've got time to do that that's for sure hey coming up saturday we have been it's been fun uh, uh having the uh, the best of randolph bacon football on saturday afternoons on the mater and this saturday we're going to bring you probably the biggest game in the history of and the long history over a century of randolph bacon football and we'll go back to november 2018 just outside of cleveland ohio john carroll randolph macon round one ncaa division three football championship you will get to relive that incredible saturday afternoon and that'll be Marty and I on the call Saturday at 1. John Carroll, Randolph Macon here on the Mater. Next week on the show, want to get a little bit more into the NCAA uh, situation in terms of eligibility. A big thanks to Coach Aruza who reached out to me this past weekend. Had to have a chance to get back to him, and I'll need to do that tonight. Uh, talking about the situation at the Division Three level, and we want to get into that uh, next week on the show. I will hopefully get somebody from uh, Randolph-Macon to join us by phone to talk a little bit about it, too. And, of course, obviously, it's a very fluid situation. But join us on Saturday for Randolph-Macon, John Carroll, the rebroadcast again at 1 o'clock. Deepest thanks to Evan Hughes for being with us tonight. Always love catching up with him. Uh, Massey Wood and West, and we thank an ink. We thank you guys for being a part of tonight's broadcast as well. Calvin Cecil in the studio right beside me. Rob with him saying thanks so much for being with us. Talk to you next week in the Red Zone. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a production of WHAN Radio. Our producer is Calvin Cecil. Executive producer is William Roberts. In the Red Zone with Rob Witham is a copyright production of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC. Any rebroadcast or reproduction in part or in whole without the express written consent of Fifth Estate Broadcasting, LLC is strictly prohibited.